I'm Dr. Pete Economo, the East Coast psychologist. And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin, the West Coast psychologist. And this is When East Meets West. Election stress disorder. So this is not a disorder by the DSM or the American Psychiatric or Psychological Association, but Nikki Rubin, hey, what's up? Ooh, yeah, I think uh, I think most people listening are probably thinking, yeah, I think I got that because uh, everyone feels like they have it. <laughs> everyone feels, yeah. And and let me just say for all our listeners, uh, Pete and I are recording this the day before the election here in the United States. So this episode will be released the day after the election. <laughs> so hopefully, <laughs> ho- <laughs> hopefully. Um, and so the reason we wanted to talk about this is because. We're really thinking about these. This, what are you calling it? The post or election? The election stress, stress disorder. It will be post-election <laughs> stress disorder by the time this airs. Yeah, yeah, right, election right. Election stress disorder. Right. Which, so whatever. By the way, like so, you're yeah. saying it like we all have it, and even I talk about my one brother a lot on here, but the other brother who I don't talk as much about because he's perfect. Uh, <laughs> but like he is not, you know, he he's one of those not involved in politics. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. But still feels it, you know. And yeah. Describes how like he can feel the tension that's going on, and and this. 2020 election in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, you know, I had a patient the other day say, I thought this was such a uh, great word. It's like the static going on in the background. And obviously today and, you know, going forward, it's going to be really turned up. And, you know, I think one thing, you know, you and I were talking about before is how do we talk about the really difficult stuff that's going on without freaking people out, right? Like, <laughs> right? Like, how do we? Because, because right, I know. So, that give the, me a stat about that might freak people out related to gun sales. Well, yeah. Well, there was one that that I mentioned a few earlier in the day where I said, you know, I read um, a statistic in, in the paper yesterday that was saying that gun sales have skyrocketed. Yeah. Right. So. You know, like I can say, but isn't that as patriotic? A, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this can, is we, not we, a political podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can, we can. We'll have to do it. Maybe we'll do another episode about on that patriotism. in the future. But have we done one yeah, on patriotism? No, we haven't. But I think that would be a good one. Um, but I can say, like, even saying that out loud, like, I feel my body starting to react. Yeah. Right. Like tension. So, yeah, the tension. Well, yeah. and and just not even tension. Like more than that, I would say, like, my heart rate is increasing a little bit. Right. And yeah. so. I think what little mind body connection. Oh, ooh, it's like so. How do we walk this line between having our eyes open, right, and and taking in the information that we yeah. need to pay attention to, and simultaneously not become sort of like lost in the fray? I guess. You well, know? It, it, the validation is one is the it was key, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then normalizing it. But when we're normalizing it, we're saying this is something that we are all feeling. Yes. So the American Psychological Association had a study uh, just recently because of this 2020 mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. election, and 68% of Americans feel some kind of sh- that that the election has a significant stress on their life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know uh, comparative to other elections, but my guess is that's higher because I think while we I may would. have been affected by other elections, this election in particular at 68%, and actually it didn't matter about your party that you were in either. Um, 76 percent of Democrats, 67 percent of Republicans and 64 percent of independents mm-hmm. reported that str- that this election is a significant stress in their life. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all, right? No. Because it, it, you know, and we talked about this uh, a bit in our polarization dialectics episode, right? That whatever you believe, yeah. right, whatever you hope is going to happen, everyone is really attached to that right now, yeah. right? And so, the the idea that things are going to turn out a way that you don't want them to isn't just 
you know, I think in, in years past, maybe we would have felt more just disapp- the idea of like being disappointed. This, like this you're feels losing. like you're losing, but this is like, you know, I think probably, you know, most folks that you would ask really view this election as, um, perilous. I think that's well, the word that comes to mind. You know, and another data point from that study found that, and they did compare 2016 to 20, that mm-hmm. black adults mm-hmm. in 2016 reported 46% reported that they're, that this was a significant stress in their life, whereas 71% in 2020. Wow. So I think that that's part of this is that whether our, we're white, you and I are white. Yes. Um, uh-huh. And so maybe we're not responding like the black voter is. Right. Um, and that's also part of this tension is that there are real palpable racial tensions in today's world compared to, you know, 2006, well, 2000, no, 2008. Okay. I was like, I was like, I was like, what, <laughs> wait, wait, what, what you talk, like, I'll tell you the year, but just tell me what you're talking about and all, I know. And all. Uh, well, 2008, when our first okay, black two, president, yes, okay, you know, we were talking mm-hmm. about race, but it wasn't as pertinent as it is today. Right. That's no, an interesting, well, I don't know. What do you make of that? That's interesting. Well, I think that's because, you know, Barack Obama had to walk a very delicate line, right? Yeah. Like it was, and, 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 you know, there, that makes sense because it's so true. It was, you know, the first time there, yeah. there was uh, any black candidate that had a real chance. Right. Sure. And, you know, I think he was being mindful of, of how can I move this election forward? Well, yeah. you know, I don't know, like not, this is what's, obviously very distressing. It's like without like rocking the boat too much. And I think now black, right. And so now, I mean, the boat has been rocked and obviously, you know, in the black community, you know, obviously the message we've been hearing as, as white individuals is this is what we've been saying. Right. Well, and I know, you know, when I say too black, I'm saying that that's part of the assimilation yeah, and that's the systemic Mm -hmm. racism that people of color have had to endure you know, and it's something like in sport, I work on a lot with athletes about finding their voice, which sometimes mm-hmm. in a system, they don't have one, mm-hmm. especially student athletes, because they're just told where to be and how to be and how to behave mm-hmm. and how to feel. And mm-hmm. and so maybe that's, um, as you were describing Barack, that's what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And so in 2008, that was different because it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't bringing about the racial injustices or the systemic issues. In fact, it had the opposite Obama effect yeah, like, people yeah. like, Oh, America's great because right. they have a black well, president. Right. It like pushed them underground, right? It pushed, it pushed them underground. Them underground. So, and so, yeah. so Trump has brought brought what's always been there to like a roaring right. head, right? I always so, say it's a little bit of a silver lining of him yeah, and the well, polarization. <laughs> well, totally. Because I mean, I, I say to people a lot, you know, my just people in my life that are not psychologists, like yeah. they'll, uh, I mean, often ask me questions about this stuff because they want to know the psychology. You have of the it. answers. Yeah. I have, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm always like, all right, guys, like I don't have the answers, but I yeah. can speak to the psychological perspective. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, in treatment, we always talk a lot about like when people come to see us, it's like you can't target things that are are below the surface, right? right? Like the like symptoms, for example, have to rise to the surface. And, you know, these are certainly like very, very painful, old, old, old symptoms. And, yeah. you know, the Trump presidency has, you know, like I said, brought them roaring to the surface. Um, but I think then the other side of that is right that as that's come to the surface, people that are uncomfortable with those truths, mm-hmm. right, and those mm-hmm. facts uh, have also gotten very loud. Yeah, and I think that's where if we kind of bring it back to the, you know, the post-elections stress, stress syndrome, disorder, yeah, whatever we're calling it here, right, that that's what feels so scary yeah. is that both 
sides or both perspectives are equally. Well, cause I think we're all feeling stress. We're all feeling anxiety. Yeah. We're all having GI issues. We're all feeling our hearts <laughs> raising. You know, yeah. I think that these are the yeah. common symptoms we would yeah, see related exactly. to, you know, chronic stress. Difficulty sleeping, right? Difficulty sleeping, yeah, changes in your appetite. Yep. Um, you know, I, th- I think it is, you know, it even decreases immune system, which we know, mm-hmm. which now put that in touch with, a with pandemic. COVID, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Everything's trying. <laughs> this is wonder. That's why you see all these memes like 2020 is great. Right. Well, and so, you know, coming back to what I was saying uh, like a couple minutes ago. So maybe what we can do now is talk a little bit more concretely about how to navigate this, because as we you know, as we're talking, I'm sure people are listening going, I like, can't breathe. Yeah. Thank you, Nikki, <laughs> Nikki and Pete. Nothing you're saying is helping me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you said a couple of moments ago, like the normalizing the validation. So maybe we could kind of like walk yeah. step by step about what to do with, you know. So we're doing some, su- right we're, we're doing some support groups uh, for athletes. Uh, and so, but specifically like we'll do one on just general coping, one on stress management, one on mindfulness. So those are mm-hmm. general tools that can help us navigate these, these unchartered territories on, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that they are uncharted territories. Yes, we've all been at polarized elections. Yes, we've mm-hmm. been where the Supreme Court has had to make decisions. Because the other big piece here is there's uncertainty. And and while this is election week, it's highly unlikely that by the time this airs, we'll know who the next president is. Right. In fact, we're being told pretty concretely, like that's we're being told almost not. impossible. That's not right. that's not gonna happen. Right. So, you know, so I so it's always uncertain. Uh, and so now it's really uncertain. <laughs> yeah, because we don't have anything to make an educated guess about, you know, right. that it's uh, uncertainty, as we've talked about before, we talked about it in the podcast episode, Uncertainty, which, you know, I can share has been a very popular episode, we can tell from downloads as of yeah. late, which makes sense. Uh, we never know what's going to happen on the other side of this moment, right? Never. Like, that's a very, like, basic yeah. fact that we teach people from a mindfulness-based perspective, right? All we don't roads know, lead yeah, to mindfulness. All roads lead to mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So we never know, though oftentimes we can make educated guesses based on probability data, right? Like, right. if you were to, you know, sometimes I say to patients, like, the example of, like, if you were going to go to Seattle, which I've actually, uh, full disclosure, never been to Seattle. Really? Yeah, I know. It's not weird. I know. And you're like, like not even that far from there. I know, but I don't know anybody in Seattle. So that's anyway. So, but, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but from what I know about Seattle, I can say if I was going to go there in January, right, right? Based on all of the data for, I don't know how long they've been doing forecasts for the last hundred years of weather data. I can make an educated guess. It's probably going to be raining in January, right? It doesn't guarantee it, right? Like I could show up in January and it could be beautiful 80 degrees or something like that. Though based on the information we have, I can make a pretty educated guess that the probability is high. It's raining. What's happening Right. right now with the election, we don't have any comparable data. Like in elections past, right, we could have, based on the history of elections, you know, we could make an educated guess that the elections would go off without a hitch, right? Maybe you are. We need our, we need our like historians and producers to look up 1918, whenever the election was around there, because maybe, because also that's what I'm thinking. There may have been one other election around a pandemic. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I always go back to think like (laughs) elections. I mean, I always go back to the civil war. Like that's what I, right. Times when our country was extremely divided, but but I mean, but in modern history, is that no, really any no, different I mean, now? but we don't have anything no. to say like, well, it's probably going to be raining. You know, we don't have any information to make an educated yeah, guess yeah. on so about so it amplifies. Well, I, I think we do though. I think, and that's part of the fake, um, this fatalistic ca- catastrophizing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cognitive distortion where places are already boarding up. 
So there is probable data that there's going to be some looting, rioting, or violence. Well, that I don't think we can say because the reason is we this. But, but, uh, but I'm saying the data is that people are boarding up. Oh again. yeah, fair. The date that that is happening right now. But I'm saying in terms of like right. making an educated guess about what's going to happen, like that's what people are doing with right. the boarding up is based on fear, right? Which makes sense. Right. I'm not invalidating. It's like that makes sense. But in sure. terms, no, you know, like point. we don't that's actually really know, yeah. and so that's. That's and again, this was really hard. The more uncertain we are about something, the more anxious we become. So, that's going right. back to again what you were saying about what you're doing with the student athletes, right? With stress management and yeah. mindfulness, you know, I'd love to just sort of walk uh, folks through some steps they can do because, you know, yeah. even when we're saying validating and normalizing, maybe we can even be more concrete if they haven't listened to episodes in the past. Like, to be concrete. That. Well, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you. <laughs> Ask you, Pete. How how might somebody validate themselves about what's going on, and like why why is validation? Well, so in mindfulness or like in Eastern world, we use compassion. Mm -hmm. So finding compassion for yourself that it's okay that we feel uncertain. Mm -hmm. It's okay that we feel scared. Mm -hmm. It's okay that I'm boarding up my store Mm -hmm. in downtown. You know, insert city name. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's part of validation. I think. Just accepting and allowing the emotions to come yes. there. So uh, acknowledging that emotions are like uh, uh, beach balls in a pool oh, or I was, waves. I was say, right? yeah. Well, waves, they come in and go, they come go, out. Go, go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Or beach balls where I, I could push them away because I can maybe have an extra glass of wine tonight or eat an extra mm-hmm. Oreo. Um, mm-hmm. But they're still going to be there. And that uncertainty, that unknowing. Um, well, what we're trying to do is really unknow, right? right? Like unlearn some of these the, these processes and just try and find some peace in the unknowing, which is what we do in Eastern traditions. So like in Buddhism, we study mm-hmm. impermanence. That's kind of the wave idea that none of this yes. will be forever. And so even though this feels awful, it won't be forever. Right, that the, the, the intensity will crust and pass. Yeah. Even and, and I think that the thing to throw in there is that and then there might be another wave. Well, there will so, be another wave. There will know, be another wave. There will, yeah, there will. Well, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yes. There will be another wave. And and yeah. so, yeah, okay. So this allowing, this accepting of what we're feeling. And, and when you said, you know, finding peace, and we talk about this in the, the Calm episode, it's really important to clarify that peace doesn't mean not experiencing discomfort. Like, you know, we That's talk right. about in that episode – there's often sort of confusion that that peace equals relaxation or, you know? or elimination or elimination. And it's like, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't actually mean that finding peace. I actually really connect with the word still like stillness, like that sure. it connects to some stillness. So like the eye in the center of a storm, That's right. right? Like how can we, how can we be still or soften the edges yeah. while we're in the midst of this discomfort? Well, that's uh, yeah. it's hard to practice. It's know? so hard to practice. And I keep thinking that about all these memes about 2020 because 2021 mm-hmm. is just going to be 2021. You know, it's not like we're going to mm-hmm. turn the corner and, and how many times have we heard like this year sucks? Like I can't wait to get past it. So I think in, in, in Eastern, like in Buddhism, what we try and do is just mm-hmm. be with what is, which again, yes. I'm with all y'all out there that have that funny meme about 2020 and I mm-hmm. chuckle at them all. And, uh, right. you know, I, I have no guarantees about 2021. Well, and, and to be clear what you, cause what you're saying is really important that what, what Pete's saying doesn't mean that 
that unknown is something bad. And that's, right. I think that is the hardest thing for people to practice, right? That the way we're wired, and this goes back to old evolutionary stuff, like 40,000 years ago, we are programmed to interpret uncertainty as danger, right? That is something they've demonstrated in studies, right? Like we, yep. we know this is a part of our brain. So when Pete says, I don't know what 2021 is going to be about or what's going to happen, be mindful of the tendency of the brain to go, oh, oh no, it's going to be another 2020. It's going to be even worse. It's like, no, the only information we have is we don't know. Can we just be with this moment here? Um, and what comes to mind, I don't know if you ever use this uh, uh, saying, Pete, but I use it a lot with people and I find it very comforting myself. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness uh, <laughs> saying, of course, mm-hmm. is that infinite moments are too many moments to tolerate. It's Love just it. this moment. This moment is hard enough. So yeah. it's like, let's just be in this moment. Right. Yeah. This is really hard. Yeah. No. I mean, is that's, that one they, is that yeah. one that you kind of use with people or that idea, that concept of just I mean, like I've not, heard it. Yeah. Not I, piling I, on all the infinite. We don't I mean, know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was also thinking, like, may all beings be free from suffering, and you mm-hmm. know, so we have all different ways that whatever mantra someone or prayer that you have or any kind of connection you mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, in we call them permanent anika which mm-hmm. is another just terminology, anitya mm-hmm. in, in Sanskrit, I think it is. And so like those, they're just things or words just to recognize mm-hmm. that this impermanence, this suffering will, you know, will end at, at some right. point. It, right. It will pass. It, yeah. will, it will pass. Yeah. So um, I know that what we've also thinking about this in terms of fairness. So I think if we think about some, look at me going back to behaviorism, <laughs> that's, that's usually your role. Hey, switch. Yeah. Yeah. Roles. Yeah. Hey, mixing it up. So I thinking about, cause I think about perspective taking. So I talked about cognitive distortion of catastrophizing, which mm-hmm. we're all going to do within this, whether we win or yes. lose. And that's what, that's... how people are seeing an election mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also thinking about fairness, cause within fairness, we often think about if we win or lose or what's yep. fair. Or Is not. that fair or not fair? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So think yep. about perspective taking. So I was wondering what you thought about the role of unfairness in people's reactions, you know, this coming week. Well, I think that people want to go in recognizing that attaching to whether it's fair or not is actually not going to help us get through whatever's about to happen. Right. Right. Like there's something in, um, I believe it comes out of the social psychology research, right. Which is the just world hypothesis. And what the, and what that means is that people believe that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And, you know, there's always justice and, you know, hopefully a lot of people listening have been able to recognize like, um, sadly, that's not true, right? right? That the, we, we all experience difficult things. And unfortunately there, uh, you know, awful things happen to very good people and, that's right. you know, what might be seen as wonderful things happen to not so great people. But I feel so, like that's part of parenting. Cause I don't know, like, I, I feel like my parent, like you try and make kids feel safe. And I feel like today's parents are different where they're a little bit more open because I, I mean, I don't know if I was parenting, I would not you 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 hit the nail on the head. It's the just world hypothesis. Uh, yeah. And think about how archaic that is, though. Like, and what and what think, are we doing if we're teaching it? Well, you know, honestly, it's funny when you say archaic. I chuckle because I'm thinking, yeah, like archaic of like forty thousand years. Yeah. Archaic. It's like it's just like it just goes back to like wiring, right? It's yeah. just like simple processing. Like we like it's judgments, right? Yeah. Like good, bad, right, wrong. And you know, I Pete and I were talking earlier today because I was saying you know, of course I want to mention in a much, much more light and innocuous way, uh, you know, my beloved Dodgers won the world series last week. Yes. Which, you know, that's right. uh, yes, which, uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, I, I, you know, I 
I cried, of course, when, when that happened. Um, so, uh, uh, and so to me, you know, in that moment, I, I kind of was like a little attached to, to like fairness and justice where I'm like, yeah. you know, it's been 32 years. Like, you know, it's been three times the world series the past four years, the, you know, 2017, the Astros cheated, like, this is just, this is fair. And, you know, in the moment, like that feels good for me to like, hold on to that though. I paused and did some perspective taking and thought about, you know, thank you that, you know, if I was, you know, a Rays fan, a a Tampa Bay fan, I'm not going to view that outcome as fair or just right. Right. Like they took out that, you know, if anybody listening, watched the series or followed it, like they took out this really great picture, uh, Snell and, you know, people were questioning the coach's decision to do that. And, you know, that's going to be looked at as unfair. So attaching to like, is this just, is this fair? Is this is, you know, this is unfair. This is unjust. That's normative in terms of human urges and behaviors. And that's not going to help us move through again, whatever's to come. What's going to help us move through whatever's to come is what Pete's been talking about, which is allowing it, right? Like letting ourselves feel the anxiety, radical acceptance of it. Right. Um, and, 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 that gives us then space to decide what to do next, yeah. right? Like, because we we don't again we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what what's going to be effective. I don't, you know. We don't even know if this is going to air by the time that we think it's going to air. <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully. I mean, yeah. I, hopefully. But, you but know. I mean, again, that's some again, more. Yeah, totally. Yes. Right. You know, yeah. we have everything planned out. Um, right. We had some technical difficulties earlier. You know, we're doing yeah. it again. So these are all things that you have to just roll with. You have to be flexible. It kind of comes mm-hmm. back to the. Yes. You know, so what I'm learning as we keep doing this is like a lot of this, like the different episodes will start to intertwine much more. Mm-hmm. And you start to just really see how we grow within behaviorism that one thing builds upon the next. Mm-hmm. And, 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 it might sound invalidating to some people. It certainly is easier said than done. Sure. I mean, you know, we all w- would hope to get out of the quicksand, you know, a lot quicker than we <laughs> the, we're able to. Yeah. Right. Well, and so, it, you know, if, if those listening, you know, you know, maybe clicked on this episode hoping like, oh, Nikki and Pete are going to have the answers. Like they're going to tell me yeah. how to feel better in this time, you know, I'm I'm sorry <laughs> if that's not what you're getting out of it. What I what I hope people will take away from it is that maybe they can go into this next difficult period with more willingness to make space for what's hard and see that that's actually going to keep us clearer and more grounded being that eye in the center of the storm. The eye in the center of the storm is perfect. And, you know, election stress disorder, or as you're listening to this post-election stress disorder, thank you. And I, we have a couple takeaways here and be with it. We'll get through this. See you next time. This has been When East Meets West. I'm Dr. Pete Economo. And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin. Be present, be brave. This has been When East Meets West. All material is based on opinion and educational training of Drs. Pete Economo and Nikki Rubin. Content is for informational and educational purposes only.